that was a revelation to me that the way to band people together in this time is not by interest or age or anything like that, but how they want to communicate, how they prefer to communicate. Uh, so what we did with these circles is that we said we would set you all up in groups of six or seven that all want to communicate the same way. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining us for the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast for making spaces both literally and figuratively for community to happen. I'm Rev. Sarah Heath, and over the last 15 years of being a community leader, I've noticed that our social and political climate are making us more and more divided. I believe that we need proximity and relationship to change that. But our most inclusive spaces are often run down and uninviting. This podcast is going to change that. Some weeks we'll be talking to people who uh, make space through beautiful design. And some weeks we're going to talk to people who are making space for people theologically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. Friends. I am all too aware of the irony of the fact that I launched my podcast about the need for proximity a week before we were all sent into quarantine as the COVID-19 virus is spreading globally. And we who make community by gathering people are not able to offer proximity. But I think there are really unique ways that we continue to make space for online and digitally during this much needed separation. I always say the biggest blessing in my life is the people that share it. One of those people that I happen to know is Reverend Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith is a friend who is on the front lines of the American COVID-19 outbreak as he serves a church in Seattle, First United Methodist Church of Seattle. Jeremy has a passion to help people unlock their own spiritual growth, and he is constantly working towards societal peace and justice. But he isn't just a local pastor. He's also the author of the blog, Hacky Christianity, and it's been featured in all kinds of news outlets, including NPR and Sojourners. He's also one of my favorite geeks. He loves science fiction and all things geek culture. And maybe more than that, and perhaps best for this episode, Jeremy and his community have been doing incredible work to maintain connection during this chaotic time. So I hope that this conversation helps and inspires you as much as it did for me as we figure out how do we maintain community we are physically isolated from each other. How are you doing this Saturday? Well, we are on a tech rehearsal for live stream tomorrow. I have a very helpful staff person who knows all these things. And uh, so we are trying to get all the tech to work out and it, wasn't working out until about 15 minutes ago. So oh, no. We finally so uh, got to that point, and um, so I'm stepping away for a bit to chat with you. And then Great. I'll go back, and, uh, and he'll either have left and said everything's good, or we will risk what tomorrow looks like. Uh, is this the first week that you guys are live streaming? No, we streamed last week for the first time. Uh, it was our... Um, it was our putting together a live stream in three days situation uh, where we found out that we couldn't hold worship on Thursday morning and then got the tech put together and the ideas and the solution and we did our first run through of it Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for a 1030 service and somehow it all worked. You know, we were in a similar situation in that we have uh, 
you know, we've been always planning to do this week live. And then um, our plan was to meet next week to talk about how we could um, think through streaming. But we wanted to be able to do like we would live stream the sermon uh, this week uh, for anyone who was immunocompromised or whatever it might be. Right. Um, but the way our uh, stuff has been happening quite quickly, obviously, you're a couple of weeks ahead of us or a week ahead of us. Um, it just became apparent that it would just kind of be um, not a great way of being a neighbor right now if we had service in, in person, um, even with all the folks who are not have, you know, have no pre-existing conditions or aren't feeling sick or whatever it might be. It just felt like, OK, we could be risking other people. And in fact, some of my staff members live with elderly grandparents right. or and it just felt like, OK, we can't. This is a way that we're going to be a good neighbor is to not. So we this morning. We've decided to go kind of, we're doing a kind of a blend. So we recorded the sermon, we recorded some music, we recorded some elements, and then we're going to do like prayers of the people and conversation online live. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Hoping to uh, make community. So let me give you a little background on what this podcast is, because uh, it is kind of brand new. Actually, it's it's kind of hilarious if you want to think about it. I started a podcast two weeks ago um, or started producing it and sending it out anyway two weeks ago called Making Spaces um, about how uh, communities need to have spaces where um, you know, there's made space for people. So proximity is important. And I believe that transformation only happens through connection and proximity. Sure. How funny is that, that now, um, you know, so I, I had talked to like designers and I've talked to uh, folks who uh, do cleaning closets. I've talked to people who work at Christian closets, helping people um, understand the different ways that we can make community in a way that is affirming and all those sort of things. So amusing to me that um you know two weeks into the show i'd already had like this we were gonna do we we're gonna release a show on um design and on making a space that is welcoming to people and um i think it's so funny that now we're gonna i want to really talk uh, to someone who has the experience and is already like a week into it about how do we make space for people when we are talking about uh, coronavirus that has coronavirus 19, COVID-19 right. as it's known, um, that has made it impossible for us to gather in proximity to each other. How do we still make space for each other? So that is why I wanted to chat with you because I, re I read an incredible, um, I love your blog, by the way. <laughs> he has a great you. blog called Hacking uh, Christianity. And he, I think it was just called a pastor, I pastor a church near a COVID-19 outbreak, essentially is what you said. Um, right. Because tell me how far you are from the original um, sort of site of American uh, people being diagnosed. Right. Um, the primary uh, place was a, um, a care center in Kirkland, Washington, uh, which is about 12, 13 miles from my church. Um, and that's a lot of urban ground to cover, um, but it is a it it is certainly close enough and and on everyone's minds enough that it uh, we definitely feel like we are in the zone then. And then as the week progressed, we are definitely in the zone now. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of heard about it fairly quickly, right? So March third is when it started, um, where it was kind of coming out. Right. Right. Um, and then you, 
you went to a uh, event about in downtown Seattle to talk through um, sort of what it's King County, right? Um, right. Everything seemed were to progress very quickly. That on Saturday there was the news about uh, Saturday uh, Leap Day. Yeah. There was the news about the care center and all the different uh, concerns that came out of that. My leadership team, we switched our communion practice. We do com weekly Holy Communion. So mm -hmm. we switched our communion practice to uh, uh, the little cups instead of the common cup for intinction. Uh, we had hand sanitizers at the door. We felt like that was sufficient. And then uh, Sunday went just fine. Nobody sneezed onto a plate of little cups, so we were happy about that. And yeah. <laughs> um, But then on Tuesday, the King County Public Health Department met with a group of concerned clergy about how do we continue to gather, how do we continue to make space for our people without making that space unhealthy and a risk to their physical well-being. And it was a great conversation. We had a, a lot of questions about communion, about hymnals, about passing the peace, about passing offering plates, several several things that I hadn't considered. And it was, it was very helpful. And they gave us some great information about how to host uh, these how to host uh, people well. I published my blog, blog on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, they came down with no gatherings over a certain amount that we recommend against it. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, and so my church council, we met for two and a half hours and we decided we, uh, we need to follow this advice. And so we need to turn around the live stream in three days. And so we turned around the live stream in three days. Uh, and so that was Sunday the 8th, uh, was our, our inaugural uh, uh, event. <laughs> and and then this past week has been just tweaking what we have and um, setting up more um, protocols to keep our volunteers and our staff healthy as they are putting on the live stream. Uh, so that's right. sort of that's sort of been our trajectory, uh, Sarah. We went from okay, <laughs> we can do little cups to everything is shut down and. Uh, you know, even when we figure out a live stream thing, I can't even high five my staff person. So it's a it's a really weird place to be. Right. And I think we're in the midst of trying to figure out what the new normal is. And so uh, even when we are back to being able to gather together, we are going to have to make space in a way that we've never done before. Where, right. um, you know, I, I will preach this week on... Um, the idea of people aren't dangerous, they're just risky. Um, and so even yeah. the idea that, uh, you know, people have never been so afraid of being um, in proximity with other people. But, you know, one of the biggest concerns isn't just our, our physical well-being, but our mental well-being when we are people who um, need each other. Like our brains thrive off of being in proximity to each other, our bodies, you know, people heal better when they're touched and hugged and 
And that's just not possible right now. Um, and so I'm wondering, as you're, you've been thinking through, I mean, you're only <laughs> two weeks into it. I mean, what are some ways that you feel like people can make space for each other online? What does that look like? Yes, streaming is part of it. Um, how do you feel like, even for like non-churchy people, what does it look like to make space for people out in the world? So for like us, we can still go to grocery stores right. if we are healthy, right? And so we are encountering other people. So I'd love to hear sort of your take on what it's been like, again, because I feel like you're about a week ahead of um, some of us here and then maybe a couple more weeks than that in the rest of the country, because still like the Southeast still is just having a couple of instances trickle down. Right, right. Um, we really are on the cutting edge out here uh, in the West Coast, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <clears throat> and not for a good reason. Um, but it used to be for fashion. This is not the way we want no, it to. No, no, yeah, yeah. We'd rather be on the cutting edge for design and technology, not uh, not this. Um, but right. Um, so let me answer your question first with two other churches that are doing uh, that are making space for people in a really neat way. There are two United Methodist churches that are north of me and uh, uh, closer to the outbreak zone in Kirkland. Uh, that's uh, Bothell United Methodist Church and oh, yeah, Marys uh-huh. Marysville United Methodist Church. Um, yeah. Uh, so both of those churches have either morning or evening or or both uh, Zoom meetings where mm. the pastor will give a devotional. And then it's a Zoom meeting so people can respond. It can be interactive. So every day during the week, these crazy pastors who love their people are making space for people at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. So Mm. that they can uh, offer just some daily inspiration uh, in times of connection. So part of that is, I'm sure, training people of how to use Zoom in case that becomes a more often uh, tool of ministry. Uh, But that seems like a a way to help help people uh, digitally. Uh, Yeah, that's one thing. Right. The face people say actually seeing faces even digitally is better than uh, not. So much better. I agree. Totally. Uh, So getting that FaceTime with people is really important. Moving back to my church, we are taking a different tact. Uh, one is, is that just a blessing in disguise, we have a Lenten devotional that goes out daily anyway. Um, and it's not interactive. It's a written devotional, but all the devotionals are written by members of our church. Forty members of our church wrote 40 days of devotions. We had mm-hmm. no idea how much we would need that during this time, that everyone gets a email every day with a devotional uh, written by someone in the pew next to you. Uh, That's really personal, even if you don't see their faces. The second thing we're doing uh, that started this weekend was we um, are dividing people into circles um, of folks, six to seven people, that all want to communicate in the same way. This revelation came to me when I met with a group of folks. Um, everyone in the room uh, is over 60, and they were gathered for a ministry. And I said, well, I think we're going to set up calling circles so you all can call each other. And most of the room said, 
we don't answer the phone. There's so many people that crank calling and uh, uh, selling things that they don't answer the phone. They would much rather have a circle set up where they either texted each other or emailed each other. And that was a revelation to me that the way to band people together in this time is not by interest or age or anything like that, but how they want to communicate, how they prefer to communicate. Uh, so what we did with these circles is that we said we would set you all up in groups of five or six that all want, uh, six or seven, that all want to communicate the same way. So if it's a group of people that want to email each other at the end of each week, telling them this is how my week went, that's great. If it's a group that want to start a text chain of texting people during the days, that's great. Um, we also have an app called Marco Polo. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, Marco Polo is amazing. It's so good. It is where you can put uh, you can put several people all in a group, and then you just hit a button, video a uh, uh, an update about your day or something you're you're afraid about or something you're wondering about, and then hit stop, and it automatically goes out to everybody in your circle. Um, and then also if folks, if folks want to call each other, the way how we set it up is that each week there's a leader and that leader calls six people just to check in with them. That's great. And then the next week there's a different leader who then calls those six people. So, you know, you have one week where you're burdened with calling other people and the rest of the weeks you are uh, a receiver. Uh, and so that, and so that seems like a, and then finally there is an option for people that want to get together in person. We have plenty of folks that live in an urban area uh, and then also spread out throughout the suburbs. And so having a way for people to get together uh, uh, physically, uh, if they take all the proper precautions and maybe meet in a public space like a restaurant or a coffee shop that is already doing some of the environmental cleaning, uh, then that's, I think that's a, that's a great thing. So we are just at the advent of it, Sarah, and we're not quite, um, I don't have any feedback yet uh, about it, but that's definitely our plan. It sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely amazing because I think that's the, there's a fear. I actually had a, a moment where I just started weeping. Um, I think the stress of everything, obviously, when you're leading a community and then for me, I've had lots of stuff going on as well around life in general. And so I and what I realized I was weeping about is I thought I'm going to be alone because I'm not someone who's married. And right. um, there was a real fear, even in me, even though I'm sitting telling people you're never you know, we're here for you. You're never going to be alone. Everyone is here, you know. I realized I myself was afraid of this I'm going to be alone feeling. And I think that is the fear. We're afraid of other people because of the fear of getting an illness. Um, and we want to protect other people. So there's that. But then there's also this fear of um, being alone in a in a time that's scary. Like what if you get sick and you're um, single? Who's going to know? Uh Right. And I think this is beautiful to like set up ways where people can connect. And I think this is going to be absolutely the way that we make space for people in it. I think there's also um, there's something beautiful about people getting together that can in spaces when they can, because um, it really stops the fear. Um, and you're finding that that has been allowed even 
in um, such such a close to a hot zone, um, people are still allowed to gather if they follow precautions, which I think is important for people to hear. It is. They are able to gather in small groups. In our county, it is. Um, in, in our county, it's a it's a pretty high number uh, at the moment. We'll wait for this. Yep. And now you can we'll, hear We'll, that we'll wait for that ambulance pass by. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Uh, so starting again, um, the, from our bishop, our bishop had the recommendation of groups larger than, uh, you can only have groups smaller than 10. Got it. And that was incorporating multiple states, uh, versions, um, of, uh, recommendations, uh, as best as she could for our, our very big region that, um, our bishop is over, over, uh, four states. And so not being able to gather in larger groups impacts some of the ministries at churches. Um, other ministries are smaller than that, and they can continue as long as they take the proper precautions and as long as they let know the vulnerable populations, uh, which we know at the moment are uh, those who are uh, older adults, uh, those with um, health, uh, underlying health issues, uh, especially respiratory ones and blood pressure and diabetes and things like that. And then um, there's a caution for pregnant women as well, even though they don't really have the data on that yet. Uh, but yeah, that, the, the part that, that really resonates with me, what you just said, Sarah, is, you know, losing that touch with people, losing that face-to-face time with people. I think that we, especially when you are homebound, you get into routines and you know that, okay, once a week I'm going to see this person, or once a month the pastor is going to come by, you know, those sort of things. And this has removed that from some people, uh, that I can't even get into some of the retirement homes to go and visit people. No, and yeah. There are no, no visitors whatsoever. Um, and so it's a, it's a time of figuring out how to connect with people when you're breaking your routine, you're already causing them a level of stress. So, right. And are you finding that, uh, you know, so one of the obstacles obviously is a lot of this stuff is online or it's, you know, uh, you have to be a little bit tech savvy. So is one of the things that I, I know is going to be a, a stumbling block for folks who are trying to work with varying age populations is how do we make sure that people, um, can figure out the technology when we're not right in front of them to help them set it up. Right. And I love your idea of having different ways of having people connect. So for the people who, yeah, I'm never going to be able to FaceTime that person or they're never going to figure out Zoom, um, they might be the person who gets an email or gets a phone call. Right, right. And that's the, um, so when this first started, we had to um, uh, call all of our homebound members, but also all of our senior adults uh, that we were afraid of their, um, uh, that they didn't know that they were a part of a vulnerable population. And so mm-hmm. they, uh, so we, we called all of them and, um, I, I had some really great volunteers that did that. And, uh, it took about four or five hours to reach everybody, but, uh, we were able to make that connection. Um, and I wish I'd had this circles idea for back then, because then we could have immediately put them into a group that they could have been checking in on each other at whatever level of technology 
they have. If it's just a phone, great. If they can do email, great. Um, so, you know, pe I am surprised always at the level of technology uh, savvy um, and that I, I really just can't judge a person based on their age. Now, as I think about uh, this is a chance for church folk to really be church folk, but not everyone who listens to this podcast is a church person. Right. So this is possible for making space with your friend group, right? Um, I just had a friend who actually was a former church human, but isn't anymore, send out an email to a bunch of us just saying, hey, I really think it'd be cool for us to just check in each with each other during this time. Uh, I know all of you have your kids home or right. you don't have kids, like whatever it might be, but I just think for our own mental health, like we should be checking in with each other. Um, and so I think what you're suggesting is even really helpful for um, like a friend group if you say, okay, I'm going to choose six people for my own mental health and for their mental health that I'm checking in with. You can't check in with everyone, obviously. It seems like mental health in order to be, we are going to need to be connected to um, to each other in this time in a way that we've never been connected before. So um, not to be all pastory on you, um, even though we're both pastors, <laughs> what do you think, what do you think are the kind of the weird gifts that are coming out of this gosh the weird gifts it in my email to my congregation this morning i said that this season will pass uh, but the affections that we have earned uh, the things that we've learned uh, will endure and mm. i think that there's an opportunity here to turn towards care for one another and realizing that I need you and you need me. Um, I think that's the basis of what church is and that sometimes we feel like we can go at things alone. Sometimes we feel like that no one cares about us. So you have the, the both of those are individualistic responses. Um, and sometimes they're valid. But in this season, I think we're learning how much we need each other, even if we are uh, the introvert who goes home and is very happy whenever people cancel plans. Um, an extrovert like me doesn't understand that language. Um, but <laughs> I think that what we're going to uh, discover is that we need each other to make that uh, 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 for, for healthy well-beings. I think that we're both Methodists as well, United Methodists, and John Wesley had a very strong sense of that as well. Uh, his was much stronger about that we need each other for accountability, to shape each other towards uh, what God would have for us. Um, but in this digital age, when so many things are behind screens, when we can do, we can exist entirely online, the church is one of those last refuges of face-to-face -face time. And I think that this whole experience will teach us how much that really matters for our, our mental health, like you said, uh, but also uh, it, it matters for our theology and the ways that we think about uh, God and each other. Uh, and I just don't know what that's going to look like yet. It's an exciting thing to think about that sort of transformation, but the way we get there seems really, really hard. 
Yeah, well, we live. One of the reasons that I started uh, this show is that I realized I've always like internally flipped like the ex- like interior of a church space. I always, whether I knew it or not, um, every church I've ever worked at gets a facelift. Um, and part of it is, is I think it, for me, it's the idea that like the spaces that we inhabit matter. Um, they say something about how we care for a space. They say something about how we care for each other. But church for me, even theologically, when I struggle with the Jesus story or I struggle with, oh, I don't know about all this, um, I, I find myself uh, just really compelled by the idea of we're such a bipartisan country and we're getting more and more um, in a bipartisan world, if we're honest. Right. People are getting more and more othered. And church is a space where I don't get to choose who I'm around, which is absolutely unique in this world. Right. Because even work, uh, we're all discovering now that maybe we can work remotely, although we need each other to do better work. That's for sure. Um, there is this interesting thing that happens in church where we are around people who think differently than us. And the space that used to be so um, separated where, you know, they used to call them a segregated hour in America. That's right. Could, yeah could have the potential to be the space that you're actually around the most different people. We may be, um, you know, just offered an opportunity to really be aware of the spaces that we're creating because we're having to do it in a totally different way. And it feels really overwhelming. Like as a pastor, this, these next couple of days are going to be, you know, overwhelming when I was already overwhelmed. And so how do we do that in a way that both is gracious and caring, but takes into account like, the reality of we are setting up a bit of the future, right? We're helping each other maybe reach out in a way that we never would have reached out before. So I am really grateful for even the way that you are willing to share your ministry through a blog, because for those of us who just, I, our, um, unfortunately, our conference just wasn't super mobilized for this. And so our conference is just the area in which I do ministry. And so having an outside source to be able to say, okay, what do we do next? Um, I'm really grateful for the way that you've made space even for us clergy members to sort of think through these things before they hit us so hard. So thank you for all that you're doing for making space for clergy and for laity alike and for taking time when you're in the midst of trying to figure out your worship service tomorrow. well, you know, thanks, I think, yeah, ahead. thanks so much, Sarah, also for uh, making uh, space for these conversations uh, that people don't know about the disparity or people don't know about some of these things unless you make space for them. And um, thank you for doing that. I, I think we're partners in this, um, along with everyone, in, um, everybody connected uh, throughout that are uh, all trying to figure this out together. And um, hopefully the learnings that we have here on the West Coast will just uh, help other folks um, not have to learn things the hard way like we did. Well, it's been interesting because I belong to uh, a group of lead pastors in Costa Mesa, and I know it's going to be hard to believe, but I'm like one of the only girls in bio, like one of the only, I am the only girl. Oh, yeah. Um, There are other women who are lead pastors, but they just don't participate in the group for various reasons. Um, And it's interesting because we, um, they've already started gathering together to think how do we think through this together for our entire community. And so there's already a website set up so we don't have to do this where we're like, if, if someone in your community has a need, send them to this website, they put it in, then all of us meet it. And I think, wow, uh, 
it's just incredible because some of these churches are huge mega churches that have a lot of resources and manpower and people to think through these things. Right. And what a gift. And again, it's that idea of, you know, we don't theologically think the same at all. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the person who has the, you know, very uh, progressive church, if you want to think hey, of it in these words. Right, right. They're the people who are, you know, have the beautiful, uh, you know, very conservative, very hipster. And I guess we are a little bit, but just so fun to see that they'd be willing to meet the needs of our people and we're willing to meet the needs of their people. And, and, and there's no competitive sense. Like there is one guy who is literally emailing out everything that he's doing to be like, Hey guys, just had this thought. What if we told all of our people to write their neighbors letters? Um, uh, you know, that would be, that would just be so great. And like all this sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I just think it's like this really neat, um, season that we have where maybe this would be a chance for competition to move away and for common humanity to be seen because that's usually what happens, right? Artists and uh, people willing to let uh, walls down kind of shine in these moments. So it is. We I'm have hoping. such a competition culture even with clergy. Uh, there's a clergy woman up here in um, uh, north of Seattle uh, named Jenny Smith, uh, no relation. I think you, mm-hmm. you, I think you all know each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she talks a lot about um, clergy uh, pushing back against clergy competition culture. And what that means, uh, I think, in this season uh, is that uh, it's okay for us to lean on each other for other things. I'm going to be participating in those live stream conversations at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. that other churches are putting on. I'm not going to do that, but uh, I'll encourage people to do that. And then I know on this Sunday, there's uh, some smaller churches uh, that are not able to do this and that um, they've told uh, their folks, hey, why don't you watch uh, Seattle First Church? Uh, Because they uh, will have a live stream and uh, I know and trust their pastor. So I think that's we're we're all in this together. And I'm just really glad to um, uh, be making space. Yeah, well, thank you so, so much. Um, I look forward to talking to you under different circumstances. <laughs> we yes. can talk about some of the other cool things that you're doing, because I just, I have, you know, we met years ago, but I have always just sort of followed your, the work that you do, and it's, and it is incredibly life-changing for folks. So thank you for being you. Good luck with your streaming tomorrow. Wish us luck, because we are newbies. Um, I'm excited but... for you. Uh, blessings <laughs> indeed, Sarah. Okay, you take care. All right. Bye. Friends, I hope that you are being wise with how you are spending this time of social distancing and that you're engaging others in creative ways and thinking through who you can add to your social circles and checking in on each other. Maybe ask yourself, what are the ways that this time might actually add to our ability to make space for each other? Thank you so much, Reverend Jeremy Smith, for joining me this week and thank you for listening. Join us next week as we hear from designer Riley Scott Hall as he gives us some tips on how to make spaces that are welcoming. Maybe next week's episode will inspire you to maybe organize or redo your uh, space that you're currently in if you're working from home. And I hope that you will enjoy it. This week's inspirational quote is from Deepak Chopra. The best use of imagination is creativity. The worst use of imagination is anxiety. Our introduction music is It Can Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound. Editing by Stephen Burnett from The Cult Popcast. And attention to detail is always by Katie Richardson. Thank you so much for listening.